from YO1 Radio's Live Lounge. This is the doctor, the therapist, and the coach, with your host, Gemma Taylor. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the YO1 Live Lounge in Goodrum Gate with the doctor, Dr. Angela Wright, with the therapist, Mrs. Colette Saffil, and with the coach, moi, Gemma Taylor. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. It's nice good to, to be see here. you. And, um... I mean, I know it's something that we might talk about a lot, but um, what did you do this weekend? Well, you're not going to believe it, but I wrote a book. Oh, did you? And what did you do this weekend? I feel like I wrote one too. Oh, uh, what did I do this weekend? Did you write a book? I wrote a book! <laughs> <laughs> we wrote a book. We did. We finished it. How amazing are we? Um, it was like the impossible. So you sent out, obviously... People don't know this. You sent out um, a, a schedule yep. of the impossible, uh-huh. um, and then sent it on WhatsApp in, in in written form to make me think it was possible. Yeah, and I, I didn't think it was possible. People. It wasn't possible. It wasn't possible. It actually wasn't possible. Yeah, but we finished it, didn't we? But we finished it. Yeah, that's and because it... we're scared of you, Gemma. <laughs> <laughs> so we just did what you said. But... I think it's because you're an amazing coach. Oh, yeah, that there is also you true. go. You see, the plan works. And we saw your plans. We saw yeah. your your highly coloured colouring in book plans. Yes, I. And, uh, as soon as I get an idea i get a very large pad a very very large amount of sharpies and i color it in like i'm a child i felt like we were pawns in Gemma's game that was my major (laughs) kind of feeling was just like a little chess piece going and you will go there and you will go there and i liked it i actually really liked that feeling but i think you know with all the podcasts that we're doing and you know the the sort of the doctor the therapist the coach going forward uh, we do this book is going to be very, very, very helpful for anybody that's listening that wants to sort of consolidate all of our advice into one thing. There you go. Bing, bang, bosh. Here's a book. Yes. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and we wrote it in the most beautiful setting, didn't we? At Caton Bay. Caton Bay, looking over the sea. Rented an Airbnb. Absolutely beautiful. Such Definitely a nice one. better than a place near a nuclear power station that you suggested, Gemma. Listen... I was all over the place for the nuclear power station. I thought it might en- enhance our brain a little bit. All I could think of is that bit at the beginning of The Simpsons with the fish with too many eyes. <laughs> but then Angela came up with the Caton Bay experience and there we go. It was a very, very good choice. Very good choice. It's a beautiful, beautiful, big glass gable end window looking out over the sea. And then we did yoga to start with, taken yep, by yep. the lovely Colette. By me in the morning on the grass, again yes. looking over the sea. Yes, it was very good. And it was a very beautiful Airbnb as well. So uh, thank you very much, Airbnb, Kate and Bay. If you want to have a have a look at where we stay, just go on Airbnb, put Kate and Bay in and look for the one with the big glass window. Hmm. I think that was perfect. It was yeah. a really good way to spend a weekend. Yeah, um, very accomplished. Doing the impossible doing the impossible we achieved it um it's just and and also today um we are going to be talking about the struggle and what i really like about the fact that this weekend we have completely written the book uh, which is to totally accompany our podcast series uh the struggle is probably one of my favorite parts and um before we all came in today i googled what the struggle meant so, Mr. Google or Mrs. Google or just Google, whichever it identifies as, striving to achieve or attain something in the face of difficulty or resistance. And I thought, oh, that's got something mm. we can get our teeth into, isn't it? 
I think so. Yeah. Because I think if you have just said, right, we're going to sit and write a book. Yeah. Well, Andrew and I sat there for two hours before you turned up and accomplished absolutely nothing. Well, we went backwards. I we, we did I, go backwards. I allowed you to cheat on your dietary <laughs> on protocol. My, you did, yeah, yeah. And then, and then we formed a pack whereby she wasn't going to wrap me out and did anyway. That's because so. Gemma, yeah, I can't look at Gemma and not tell her everything that's then in my soul. Don't look at her when you lie. <laughs> okay. This is how you make it work. Look the other way when you're lying. Okay. Um, I love it. Well, it, it and it just... It really did work actually you know the the whole the, it wasn't even a struggle i think that you know today's topic being the struggle i personally found, found nothing of the weekend writing the book i think that's probably the the latest thing of monumentous proportions that i've personally achieved i don't know about you guys i stayed in a room for two days without moving much so that in itself was quite exactly. a new experience for me and also i actually felt like i got out of my own way and so it got easier as time went on with the writing process because I kind of relaxed and just stopped editing yeah. and kind of went and yeah I loved it I mm. really enjoyed it mm. for me I think it was the fact that it felt like it was going to be massive and unachievable before we started it so before we tried but because when you plan something I think it's the Sri Lankans have a saying you know how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time mm. and there's something in that because everything mm. was was just bite-sized chunks and and anyone can do the next 10 minutes mm. so the idea of doing all of it was too big yeah and that almost I don't think you know, it wouldn't have prevented me going but but I can see how that could stop someone starting something was yeah. actually doing the do was nowhere near as difficult as thinking it yeah, yeah, absolutely. and also we had people with us. I think you know, back to the themes that we wrote about about getting a you know team around you, your support tribe, and all that sort of stuff. That was that was very much part of the process. If I'd been left on my own to try and you get what was in, I just would have, no, no. I think you'd have just gone on your bike. No, I would have been on the beach. <laughs> you in the Netherlands somewhere. <laughs> Someone go and get Angela. And, we, and also our partners. You know, I know obviously Dr. Angela and I both have husbands and children, um, and, and our husbands looked after the children. My husband's a bit codependent so he brought the children to Caton Bay to camp in our camper van to surf on the beach I could see and sleep the night in the field behind the house we were in. <laughs> it was nice to know he was just around the corner. Just around the corner, just around the corner but I think there's something about having that support system kind of further around you as well mm. so, you, so you can like make time in it. I know a lot of women I see in my clinic really struggle to make time for themselves mm -hmm. um, and it is partly you know you have to have the support system to do it and then sometimes just saying I'm taking this time. But I yeah. think, you know, what, what I see a lot of is people not seeing what support is available to them yeah. and not realising, you know, it's obviously a, a really easy one to say, oh, well, you know, I've got a husband, I've got a partner, you know, they're very, very supportive. But in actual fact, if you really, if you don't have a husband or a partner that's yeah. supportive or if you're going through a problem period of time where you don't feel like you're being supported, there are support supports in other ways. You know, it's, it's like if you are struggling with anything, if you look around and you really look for something and you, you, you set it as a goal, you will find that you can find yeah, out support. It's very true. If you, if you acknowledge where your barriers are, but look at them with a view to overcoming them rather than them being barriers. For example, I know your partner's overseas. So mm -hmm. I think your sister had, had your children at the weekend. Both my sister and my parents, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think if you look at something, you go, okay, so th this is objectively a, a, a potential barrier to what I want to achieve. What can I do? To, if, if, I, if I wanted to make this one thing different, what yeah. would I do with that one mm. thing? Not yeah. all of it and not letting that stop you before you start. And I mean, what, Dr. Angela, what struggles at the moment? Because obviously it, it, they are quite seasonal. Do you not think struggling, it comes for me in my clinic, it comes in seasons. But what struggles at the moment are you seeing that are the most prevalent? 
I've just had a morning um, doing some of my sort of clinical, private clinical work this morning and checking in with patients who've been struggling with two things that we sort of, what I wrote about this weekend with hormonal mood sensitivity Uh and undiagnosed neurodiversity. So a couple of people that I was speaking to this morning were, and those two things often overlap quite a lot Mm -hmm. and are often things that people don't understand about or know to look for, um, but also often quite sort of just define your experience of your world around you so there's this real sense of being different but not really knowing why you're different and Mm. that process of understanding what that's about can help you to almost kind of get a lens in where not only do you look back at the life that you've had up to this point with different eyes and realize it wasn't you it was well it was you but it was a biological you it wasn't a you that you could do something about yeah but also those things are often inherited and run through your families. So in terms of your story and where you've come from and the relationships that you may have had with parents and siblings and so on, which can be fractious when people don't necessarily understand what's triggering them or, or causing them problems, it can be a real moment where everything comes into clarity. Um, so that's in my mind this morning. And actually, even from Monday when I was in clinic, I saw a huge amount of hormonal issues in GP on Monday and all with that theme Yeah, I think, you know, hormones in general, you've got, you know, whether it's men, women, fish, dogs, whatever, you know, hormones are something if they are not, um, now I don't want to say balanced because I know that you you don't always have to find a balance. Balance is an issue. Irregulated? Yeah, I was going to be dysregulated as well. I want to ping that back at you. I think so. (laughs) I, the the thing with PMDD and PMS, so that's premenstrual syndrome and premenstrual dysphoric disorder, which are sort of two related conditions. It's not, it's not that your hormones are out of balance, it's that your body is reacting to them paradoxically. So they're meant to, um, there's a breakdown product of, of progesterone that sort of interacts with the GABA bit of our nervous system and that's the same thing that alcohol and diazepam interact with and it's meant to be nice and calming and soothing. Yeah. And for most people, it behaves like that. But for a small proportion of women, it has a paradoxical effect. It makes them feel negative and irritable and edgy and agitated. And when that's being stimulated, you feel like that. But when you come out of that window with your month of hormones and you haven't got that stimulation, you act as you did before it was there. So Mm. you can look at your world. And as I've, I've had experience of this because I have that sort of issue myself. You can look at your world and see it completely differently within a 24-hour period. And the very same things that normally make you really happy can make you want to just... And everyone wants to escape. Every woman I've ever spoken to wants to get in a car and drive away. And it's like the pathognomic kind of statement that I listen to, that they just want to remove themselves. So it's not that your hormones aren't the wrong thing. It's that your body behaves differently in response to them than somebody else's does and also we are full now more much more so than in the past of hormonal disruptors you know we've mm. got we're surrounded by so many more chemicals i remember when i used to live in iceland and uh, my ex-husband's father owned um, uh, a car paint company and every mm. time i walked in there i immediately got heartburn my head immediately started bouncing with pain i never got i'm not a headachey sort of person but the pain behind my eyes and it was just my whole body just went into shutdown mm. because I was a meant, you know, I was around so many chemicals and I was living quite a very clean existence. So, you know, we are and these all have a knock on effect that, you know, that, that sort of have fluctuations with, you know, ups and downs of 
of different hormones and of course with you know insulin and, and the amount of sugar that's around and you know are there are there ways that that you that you can help people start to regulate their hormonal profiles oh my brain's bouncing around with loads of answers to that question i'm working out which way to go Part of what I was talking about this morning with one of the um, ladies that I was talking to was about diet and she was saying, well, do you believe that diet does anything? Do you believe that there's things and supplements? And I was talking about you two actually and saying, you know, that, that we are jigsaw pieces to each other's approaches Yeah. because all of the things um, make a difference. So, you know, you cannot fix a hormonal mood issue with cbt alone or with behavioral things alone because you've got a biological thing that's not working properly you're in a more difficult situation in the first place but you know if you shout at your your child and then you feel bad about it afterwards you can use behavioral things to help you to cope with how you feel and you can use diet mass i mean you know this inside out but we are not living the lives that our bodies were designed to live we don't eat the foods that we were designed to eat we don't have the patterns we don't have periods where we don't eat and then periods where we have plenty so so much of that sort of base physiology that we take for granted in our culture that like you said at the weekend that we have cereal for breakfast crisps and a sandwich for dinner that is normal spaghetti bolognese for tea spaghetti bolognese for tea but it's it's normal but it's not what we were evolved to do mm-hmm. and i 100 percent think that you can do better than the average diet and then you know to control these things yeah and i mean colette from a therapist from a therapist perspective what I know that obviously you can't talk about individual um, you know clients, but what are you seeing struggle wise as a as a general so a generic struggle? What do you see as the most struggly thing? Um, people who just feel they cannot make a difference in their own lives for yeah. for whatever reason. They either don't have the skills, um, they are in a set of circumstances that they either can't see how they've got into, and or they can't see how they can get out of. Um, there's quite a few people I've worked with quite recently who seem to be sacrificing the now for the later. Um, and you just laughed at me then, Gemma, um, given <laughs> that I probably haven't had lunch or breakfast today and I might not have managed any dinner last night. Have you been bad? I've just been working. Um, and so- then can we just stop that, that right there? Because this is a great example um, from my perspective. So... Um, and I was actually talking about you the other day about how, you know, you're a very busy person and you have got 16 different businesses and 35 children. Yeah. And, 36. Um, 36, <laughs> I think so. Because she can have ours as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Put them and into me. your bot. I would be Colette's child. I, <laughs> I was just I thinking, would. and you. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you, you do, you are, you are holding a lot of stuff. Mm. And, and it gets to a point where it becomes an unhealthy practice. that you are doing so much and it's not too much because you know it's like you the stronger you are the more you can carry so being Mm. strong at that point is not a healthy thing to be because Mm. you're carrying so much and you're just not going to break because you can fulfill the carry yeah i I do have the i'll speak for myself i do have this kind of capacity whereby the more i'm required to have capacity the more capacity i have yeah um and for the most part as you say i don't break the question would be just because i can do it should i do it exactly it's a choice and it's about parenting yourself and this is what i say to my clients you know and and i've got a few markers in my own life which always make me think no no bit too much now back off say no pull back a bit 
Um, and everyone's got a reason why it's harder for them or it's different yep. this time. It's school holidays. It's, you know, whatever you're doing, there's always a reason. But uh, I think I read recently that, you know, you can say I absolutely haven't got the time for something. And then if you were to have an accident and break your arm or something, you would have the time to go mm. to hospital. Exactly. So you can always make some time somewhere. And yep. it's more what you choose to do with it, I guess. Yeah. I'm quite structured and routine. So... I like to have a look at the balance of what I'm doing in my day. I know you say to me, what you do with your head, you need to do with your body. Mm. What you do with your brain, you need to exercise in your body as well. And just making sure you have those kind of um, those boundaries of when you get up, when you go to bed, when you eat, when you exercise. Yeah. And just keeping an eye on it. And the boundaries, I think, you know, when you are struggling and, you know, obviously with the topic being about the struggle, um, struggling doesn't necessarily mean that you're failing. And I think that's a huge, yeah. huge mm. point. Mm. That it's just that you are in in a situation at this current moment in time that is trying it is difficult it is different from your normal you know sort of content feeling so it puts you into a different perspective into a different mindset into a different place that you're actually looking but you're not failing you are just going through a storm and sometimes it's going through a learning yes yeah so um i've got a new startup business it's very very busy um massive period of learning and growth and i can feel a bit overwhelmed normally if i really step back and look at it it's it's an admin thing it's mm -hmm. like i haven't planned something properly i haven't diarized something properly i've dropped a ball somewhere um or i've just not given my time myself time to adequately learn something new that i need to learn in order to be able to function um, yeah Instagram Reels, by the mm. way, is my current bugbear. Um, and I see that in my clients. So they'll, they'll, they'll come in with a crisis and then they'll need new skills and, and they won't give themselves time to learn and practice those skills. So I often say, if you watch children learn to walk, you know, they don't get up and learn to walk and then run a marathon. It's not the process. Yeah. Um, so, so, so really just, to, it's a more exploratory than that. Yes. And I think with, when you are looking at struggling in general, whether it's, you know one of your clients whether it's yourself whether it's your family whether it's your children it's like you said it is an absolutely essential part of the entire journey mm. if you do not struggle you do not learn mm. exactly. you know nothing 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 new ever comes out of a comfort zone nothing no. ever you know if, if you're learning something it's hard and just accept that you are in a hard place i have mm. a few markers in my life that tell me okay that's it now and for me one is as you know and as you know I enjoy I do yoga every day morning and night just a few sun salutations um, and I can do it in three minutes and that's enough for me three minutes in the morning three minutes at night if I'm living in a way where I don't have time to do that mm -hmm. that's a problem I've yes, gone, really, I've gone yeah. well too far then yeah. and I need to come right back yeah and that's probably my single biggest marker I have a siren list mm -hmm. and I um I wrote it with the little emoji con siren and what? did you do it in colour shiny? I, I don't have one of these things. Oh. I have none of these markers. It all makes sense. You, you have us. We are your markers. I do. That's yeah. why I need you. <laughs> Sorry, it's like a real penny dropping moment. Listening here and going, oh, that would be useful. Because <laughs> the other thing is, what's a problem for someone else might not be a problem for you. So lo lots of people, and we all said this at the weekend. We're, we're all neurodiverse women, but but different from each other as well. Yeah. And, and we all have people say to us how do you do mm. all that and we all said how do you not, yeah. how do you not? And, and I don't think anybody believed apart from myself um you know and I, it's I, when I wrote that structure and when we when I wrote everything that we were going to do over the weekend I 
categorically using all of the processes that I know as a coach, bearing in mind that I get people to win world championships and I get people to, you know, do things that they've never believed was even possible. Can't part me from a stone, though. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's going to be her career marker. That's a siren. Me. Can't part <laughs> But no, it's it's one of those things that, you know, you've the, the belief system of what you can and what you're able to do is you know th there are no limits to it and it's just what you're you know what you can genuinely see happen and that's what i see in clinic people have lost the vision they've lost the ability to see they're kind of so yeah. stuck where they are yeah. that they can't see where to how to get out how yeah. to move out of that so um so so a lot of it is is, is around like you were saying um angela about you know people coming to you for medication mm. and, and clinical assessments and things but i know we spoke at the weekend but then sometimes people don't take their medication um, yeah, and absolutely. that's again where therapists can come in to find it well what is that barrier what's going on to that um, and one of the things that we we did do in the book because because there is that the book is all did we about write a the book the weekend did you write a book this i don't weekend? know did you write a did book, you write a book i totally wrote a book at the weekend ha i wrote a book this weekend have we told everyone we've bumped into i told somebody that i was stood bit. next to in the petrol station <laughs> i was stood there about to pay for my petrol and this and the, well, diesel and and this guy was just stood there obviously minding his completely his own business and i turned to him and i caught his eye and i went i wrote a book this weekend <laughs> That's not weird. And he just kind of looked at me and went, um, well done. I must have said it a lot because my 11-year-old yesterday said, it's okay, mummy wrote a book at the weekend. I can't remember what it was I'd done. So yes, our book. Um, but the thing, go back to the siren list. I wrote that siren list when I realised that there were things that I did not like. Now, you know, talking about from a hormonal perspective, I have polycystic ovary syndrome. I have a siren when my PCOS gets so bad with obviously with it being very insulin resistant mm. orientated if i put like you know carbohydrates into my diet i immediately feel a difference in my hormones and they i just i just know from a mood perspective from you know like getting irritated from like road rage is a great mm. one for mm. me i never ever ever get road rage ever ever but if somebody you know does something you know conscious or unconscious on the road and then i I am aware of what they've done. I that for me is a huge siren because I never get cross with other yeah. people because I understand that we all make mistakes. It's not it's not stupid. You know, not, they're not not doing it on purpose. Hopefully, but that for me is a siren for me to go right. Hang on a minute. What is what's in my diet? What have I mis you know misplaced? What am I not eating? What am I eating? And because of that being a siren. I am so particular. I am so absolutely brilliant when it comes to morning, noon and night so that I can keep my blood sugar mm -hmm, balanced mm -hmm. so that I don't have to go into this world of, you know, I, I never, ever snap at my children. That's a siren. If I ever snap or, you know, just get cross or even just, oh, you know, even that, that's a siren for me because yeah. it's behaviour that I do not allow in my house. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good point, particularly as you get older. You know what your own behaviours are and what your own weaknesses are. So yep. I'm I'm prone to overwork. That's my that's my, my, my biggest thing. Yeah. You know, I've got other clients who might be prone to drink or prone to um, other risk taking behaviours or acting out behaviours. So if if you're aware of where you're likely to end up, yep. Um, and, and that could be you know a, a, a huge alarm bell for you. And I mean when you are struggling and you are in you know I, I always see struggle you know we've all got a boat 
and the struggle is the storm. But I've the, got two boats. You've got two, yes, of course. <laughs> and the and like roller skates. <laughs> like roller skates, yeah. <laughs> Makes me go faster. Yeah. So the, the the boat is in a bit of a storm and how do you captain that ship? You know, how do you um you know wait wait for the storm to pass but then after each storm, you're a better sailor. Mm. You know, each storm does make a better sailor. How many boats do you have, Angela? I'm just counting them and I can't yeah. get to the end of the I numbers. Know. I, the moment, I can see you counting them. Infinite boats. Infinite boats, all in a storm. <laughs> Where I was going to go, though, was that we... It's a really lovely analogy because actually... And I, I was saying that we can... I'm such a visual thinker, so immediately I've got, you know, Colette standing on two boats and she's kind of doing like a surfing paddle boarding sort of thing. <laughs> Am I looking really cool? You're looking incredibly That's sexy. Fine. and also It's all I need. What I was going to get to was the skill what I think is a really nice analogy is it's a difficult thing it's it's a struggle but we don't congratulate people on having skill in negotiating difficult things so we sort of we we name these emotions very negatively they're at the wrong end of the feeling wheel we think something's wrong with us when we feel the emotions whereas what we probably should do is consider them to be a useful toolkit for getting through the difficult periods that we none of us can not go through I wrote in one of the bits that I did at the weekend about um, my cycling because for the first year or so that I was riding a bike I was really really sad and fixated on the numbers and trying to go faster so every ride I did I did on the flat in the best conditions with the wind behind me to try and improve my numbers and I never got any better and I got really frustrated Um, and I only got better when I started to use the windy day to go and do hills because that was a better you know that was a better thing to do and then by putting myself through deliberate periods of uncomfortable work I got better overall and more honed at sort of being in that bit of my range, that uncomfortable mm. bit of my range. Because we did talk about that, didn't we? How we tend to measure the outcomes yeah. rather than the intent and the effort. I think there's something very beautiful about struggling as well. I always feel quite, well, not at this beginning. And I think I think struggle has um, has three parts to it. It has the beginning, the middle and the bit where you come out of it. The beginning part feels quite negative because you're like oh no and you just feel this you know, oh god it's about to happen oh, and then it brings out all of the this always happens to me you become the victim of the struggle mm. la, 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 la. but then you've got the middle bit where you're actually doing the do's and you start <clears> to you know climb the ladder or you start to you know try and figure out how you're going to get through it and then there's the end part where it stops being as difficult because you've learned the skills yeah. and then you're coming you can see actually the the end part the the finish line and and how it looks towards the the last part and then when you look if you do ever look back and this is what i i, I do try and get my clients to do whether it's you know learning how to jump or learning how to climb a rope or learning how to deadlift whatever it is then they look back and they go actually i'm I'm a much more skilled person now. Mm. I've got mm. more to my CV, you know, more to my bank of knowledge. And every struggle is an absolutely phenomenal opportunity to get to the next level, the next run of, rung of the ladder, the next point in your life, the next part of the journey, whatever it is, whether it's hormones, whether it's your, your mental capability, whether it's your, you know, your happiness level in life, whether it's the where you are in your relationship, it's... It's the focus on, actually, that's the learning part. Yeah, we need to be better at at reacting to not knowing or not being able to do something with curiosity and some sort of resilience rather than with panic. I'm going to get this probably wrong because I read a lot and never manage to sort of pin everything down in exactitude. But there is... um, 
prolactin is a hormone that goes up when you're stressed. And there's a lovely study or studies that show that if you're stressed and feeling out of control, your prolactin level is much higher than when you become stressed and feeling in control in the stress. Wow. So even on a neurobiological level, we react differently to that sense of it's really, really hard, but it's okay. I know what I'm doing and I can kind of get through this hard phase to when we're in a sort of sense of overwhelm where it's really hard and we don't know what we're doing. So I do think there's, we miss a trick by labeling stuff as hard and therefore we should want it to stop rather than hard and therefore we should want to hone how we get more skilled at dealing with that hard yes i know a lot of people say to me and i imagine to you too as well you know you do too much you run mm. too fast you you you, you you're stressed you're stay stressed. still i don't want to yes. stay still <laughs> and you're stressed when you stay still yeah. i know and, and i'm stressed when i do nothing because my brain needs something mm. to do yeah and then i feel like i should be okay doing nothing because that's that's what i've been told i should be doing yeah. and then i get more stressed yeah, and yeah. it doesn't do me any favors um and I don't quite know where that comes from in society, but the, the reason I just kind of hop back on the mic then is you said about you know this kind of goal orientation, which is which is kind of the next goal, the next goal, the next goal, with no real resilience. And and again, I see that. I see people saying, well, but, but what, what what's the point of me doing that? Whatever that that is, what's the point of me doing that? Well, what's the point of you not? Mm, yeah. and I think mm. that's something to do with our education system. You know, we're, we're testing our children from what two, three years old, but testing them against the wrong. So I'm sat here tomorrow morning, my poor boy, tomorrow morning he gets his exam results and he's getting really crossed at me for even bringing it up. In fact, he is so um, in his own little world and probably neurodiverse too. He didn't even think they were out until Friday because he's got the date wrong in his head and the the calendar's gone to pieces. But, (laughs) you know, I think what I find difficult watching him go through the system and watching all three of mine go through the system is we reward certain skills really well so if you're diligent you can hold your calendar together you can be organized you can write neatly you can do what you can be given a plan and you can respond by doing what that plan is yeah we reward that really highly but if you have an outlier brain and you look at things differently and you're quite creative in your thinking and you're a bit messy in the way you put things down we don't reward that but most of our artists, most of our you know big thinkers, most of our entrepreneurs, mm. they have brains that didn't work like they were. And I've got a sort of you know parentheses here, in quite in, what they're called speech marks. Help me, Gemma. <laughs> I want to use the word parentheses more than I can. <laughs> you know, when you have a, a normal brain, it, it is, it's great that it is, and you're going to find that you get on a little bit more smoothly and you click with lots of people, mm. but there really is nothing wrong with having a slightly yeah. differently wired brain, and I, we really need them. We do. Yeah. I know when I was at school, I always wanted to be one of those girls who could underline things mm. and had, like, different colour pens, Gemma, mm. had, like, different <laughs> colour pens to underline things in, but that's just not how my brain works. No. So, I've, you know, I've got bits of shopping list along with my, my thought process processes and my my thing I'm you know it, it all in one place all on the back of something yeah. just on the side in the kitchen because that's how my brain works and other people don't do that and mm-hmm. they've got those multicolored bulldog clips and they put them on the wall and and that's all nice and tidy I noticed at my girls school yeah that they have that there's this bit in their diaries always says oh well they're not very well organized or they're not very well planned and I think well you know both my daughters are are, are, are very young mm-hmm. and and I think they should be out playing yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't really care if they can follow their diary I've got a 
shoulder shoes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just, I, I just don't know why we're using that as a marker. Surely mm. that's the age where you have the unboundary brain, where it's, it's all that you can imagine, which means we can achieve more. Well, we what, this is the whole thing about culture and scripts and everything else, isn't it? We have decided what a desirable set of skills and aspirations and everything else looks like. We've called, we've wrapped it up and called it education, and that's what we try and sort of, you know, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. Let's just bring out at the other end citizens that look like they're supposed to look and I think it's quite an important commentary to be able to so I've talked to my kids about the fact that that is one way of doing things um, but there are lots of other ways of of getting up a ladder and actually do you even want to be on that ladder do you want to be on a different ladder do you want to you know what does that look like for you and this isn't even constant over time and space it changes it changes with every government you know Mm. so it's it's not about the person at all it's Mm. an external structure and I see a lot of people in my clinic particularly people who are kind of mid-40s onwards who are really struggling with this mm. because they've done the external script, they've done all those kind of markers and they've passed all the... But they realised that, that that's not what they wanted Absolutely. and it couldn't be further from who they are and they've almost kind of run out of capacity to pretend anymore. Yeah. You know, so I think some of that struggle is with like your insides and your outsides not matching. That's exactly... I mean, I think Which I see lots of people... an overly technical midlife. term. <laughs> no, but it's exactly... So we talked about the congruence and that's exactly it, isn't it? I see lots of women at midlife and I feel like they... They're finally going, you know, I played the game. I tried really hard to lose that extra half stone and get the capsule wardrobe and, you know, look after my children, have my house look nice and do my career and do mindfulness and have a green smoothie. And yet my skin <laughs> is still changing. I'm still knackered. My joints hurt. You know, I feel invisible. Mm. The, the game's rigged and they it have is. a real anger about that. And I, I think it's because we never get invited to question whether the game we're playing is fair. We're just so bloody busy trying hard to win at it. Yeah. Um, and then you reach a point where you can't. So for the women I see, that's kind of menopause. But that happens, I think, in lots of lots of the clients that you two will see will have reached that same point of going, hang on, hang on a minute. I am not happy and yeah. I've done everything I'm supposed to have done. Yeah. And and what I find when people, you know, join the gym or, or start doing, because they, they've obviously, as we've talked about in previous podcasts, they have had that push they've got the they've made the decision to get there they've they've had the the refusal to to want to do it and and obviously they've they've now come into the the part where they've gone right okay i'm gonna do this and then all of a sudden they say i'm gonna do this and realize hang on a minute it's really hard Mm. and and (laughs) it's for me it's about managing expectations when you are when you've made the decision to do something different or to change anything to understand that it is going to be difficult it is going to be a struggle it is going to be new it is going to be something that is 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 very very different to what your norm is and back to the wiring it's new wiring you know when you learn to drive and you have to really think about what you're doing and we talked about the fact that i couldn't do right hand turns and you have to kind of (laughs) this is really clunky and you're having to think about it and everything that's become habitual in your life that you've been doing for the last 30 years is now in a kind of implicit memory place where you're just you're just doing it you're not even noticing it so it is massively effortful and to go in and to a shop just now and not buy carbs because I'm sat with you. I'm looking in the shop going, you can, oh, there's nuts. All I can see is nuts. I don't really want nuts. I want a sandwich. You know? I can see the scone shop <laughs> Listen, it's it's about understanding for me, when I when I get a client in and I, I say to them, look, this is what you want to achieve. This is this is, you know, what you think is the end goal. It's actually not, it's the middle. And and then we're gonna get you there, but it's gonna be this hard. And it's 
and this is how we're going to do it. And it's when you bring in the how that all of a sudden someone goes, hang on a minute. For example, the structure of the weekend. You know, I was like, right, we're going to write a book this weekend. Every single person that I told that to before the weekend mm. went, that was a, that was it. But there are many people who couldn't have done it. Yeah, mm. but because I genuinely brought in the how. Mm. And you, that's you it. Did. It's, yeah. it's the how, and and I do that we with my clients. <laughs> but, but we trusted the process, though, didn't we? I think there was, yeah. you know, yeah, I, I got that yeah. schedule through, and I kind of looked at it and went, "That's ridiculous. There's no way that we can manage that." In fact, mm. I noticed there was no cycling included, which really upset me. That's correct. And there was no hot tub time, <laughs> and I was like, "This is a this is a weekend and a beautiful house with a hot tub." I did not go in the hot tub, people. I didn't but, go in the hot tub. And Gemma messaged Angela privately to tell her not to bring me any snacks. Yeah, I was given a separate message <laughs> in a kind of. Don't I you You've given me a role in your life to help you get to what you want to get to. And I I I don't have to make that a big thing in front of you because you don't need, you didn't need to know that. She needs to contain me She was like, (laughs) (laughs) do not let Angela be the loose (laughs) cannon with her calves. I feel the need need to explain, I've got a a thing to go to next month that requires a a frock and and I've I've got a particular frock I want to wear so Gemma is trying to coach me into the frock. Angela was clearly the the wobbly nut potentially in the process. I can't believe you've actually called me a wobbly nut. <laughs> I think you are. You are a wobbly nut. I think this is the outcome of spending a whole weekend with each other. <laughs> Professionally, that's not going to be a great tagline. Go and see Dr. Angela. The She's wobbly, wobbly nut. <laughs> <laughs> I said wobbly I at the that. weekend, actually, when Gemma lifts really heavily things, her eyes wobble. <laughs> well, the thing is, that to get back to the, the, the structure, to point. <laughs> it's the, the, you said you trusted the process. What does that mean? It instilled confidence that it was possible. Yes. And, and confidence is, for me, if you, can, if you see somebody struggling, if I see, I'm going to talk to myself, talk about me. If I see somebody struggling, I go, right, okay, hold my hand. What we're going to do? Okay, what we're going to do is we're going to instill confidence. What do you need to be confident about what you're going through? Because as soon as you switch from being unconfident to confident, your mindset changes, mm. your eyes change, your perspective changes, everything changes. Towards, your hormones change. And you, you, that's mm. absolutely right. And your stress levels change. Because the thing is, for what I do, especially when I was competing in the World Strongest Woman competition, stress was a real positive. Mm. I was putting stress purposefully on my body so that it had a reaction and it got stronger. So, you know, when I was deadlifting, it was a very stressful, you know, thing to do physically. But in response to that, my body went, hang on a minute, we need to grow. Mm. The lobster is a beautiful analogy. The lobster can only shed its shell when it is so stressed and it is so absolutely, completely compact it has no other choice yeah. than to grow. And every time a lobster sheds its shell, it gets one inch bigger. And that is what happens. It, sh- it, it It's so, so tight and so, so stressed. It has no other option to take its shell off. I'm loving the analogy because that that's the reality of so much of what we do, isn't it? It's back yes. to that. We we greet these challenges as if they're real negatives we just we have this huge pull that wants us to stay doing the same the same the same even when we're unhappy Mm. we still want to stay with what we know because it's less frightening than doing something different and yet you never get anything that's truly stimulating rewarding you know that there isn't a lot of those sort of adjectives in staying and doing the same thing all the time so Putting yourself out of your comfort zone, as I always say, it's one foot in your comfort zone and one one foot in something new, I think, is like the peak place that we should be. Um, 
and that comfort zone around you ends up being a support team it ends up being a structure it ends up being exactly what we had this weekend which is we're going to do something difficult but I'm in really safe company I know that if I'm doing something with you guys I've got my hand held I've got my brain met it's going to be okay so I've got a question for you two, and I'm really excited about this, and I'm 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 glad that we've got to this point in this this podcast today, because I I like switching things on their head, right? And before we go into our tips and tricks and awesome like you know useful things, um, I want you, and this is a bit on the spot. What oh, good. Are <laughs> we're thrilled? <laughs> what are the benefits? You can go menopause on this, okay? But what are the benefits of of when you are struggling hormonally when you say so when you say hormones though i always think are you talking about stress hormones like adrenaline and cortisol Anything. And i mean okay so so with the menopause for example what is the what is the benefit of going through the menopause Do you know the thing that i sometimes say and it's probably a ridiculous thing to say but it was not going to stop me is that sometimes when you have hormonal problems it's almost like you lose your rose tinted glasses so actually i think yes. women's base position or many women's base position is to to sort of pacify to solidify to calm to put up with and facilitate everybody and everything around them and i sometimes think and i'm almost from personal experience but also from the many many women i've spoken to that have said the same thing that when you're in that irritable part of the month or you're feeling like you've got a shorter fuse sometimes your reactions are actually quite okay they're actually quite appropriate to what's jarring around you but it's also that sense of you are no longer to put up able to put up with the things that you can brush off in your fuzz of nice hormones you're actually in a bit of the month where you're taking your rose into glasses off and you're going well that's bloody unreasonable and i'm not okay with that and i can't manage that and you're saying it everyone yeah. around you goes oh my god what's happened to her yeah but actually i think it does galvanize quite a lot of change i see a lot of women leaving jobs and leaving relationships and that in itself isn't a bad thing if that's if that was the right thing to do i think the problem that women reach in menopause is that they then haven't got the confidence to move on to the new job the new relationship but if we manage that hormonal dysfunction in a proactive way and people know what to do um it can be a really big galvanizing time do you see a lot of fear when it comes to the known struggle so as you approach the menopause age, are you seeing women coming in, I am scared too, ABC? They're scared of menopause now because we've given yeah. them information about what can happen and we're not marrying that with easy availability of solutions. So we're just saying, well, you're going to get hot flushes, you're going to put weight on, you're not going to sleep, it's going to be awful. Um, and we make it confusing. We make it sound like it's out of reach and you need a lot of money to see somebody that's you know very, very um, high up in a private field or whatever and we don't make it sort of inclusive. So I think... I think it's important to match women to information Mm -hmm. so that they can make a choice that suits them because I I genuinely don't care how someone manages their menopause as long as they've got all the information they need to make an informed decision. should they fear it? No, well, you can't do anything about it. There's no way of sidestepping it at the moment. They are looking at things like um, ovarian transfers and there there is science about whether we can sort of extend our um, our hormone sort of period in our lives. But no, you can't, there's no point fearing it because you can't do a thing about it's going to happen it's like anything it's a challenge that needs a toolkit so you need a toolkit brilliant and colette therapy wise um what are the benefits of struggling in general whether we're talking about addiction anxiety depression what are the benefits i guess 
I don't know if it's about general struggle, but I think when the struggle gets to the point that there has to be change. So yeah. in my clinic, I see a lot of people who in their lives, it's quite a visual thing, really. It's like someone comes in and they're standing in a fire and they're actually on fire. Yeah. And most of their life seems to be about making that fire bearable yes. or putting the flames out a bit or taking the pain away. Um, so think drink, drugs, um, inappropriate behaviours, um, all those kind of things. And then people sometimes get to a point where they just go like, none of that's working. I'm actually on fire yeah. and, and it needs to be different. So when we get to that, and, and it's not dissimilar to what you were saying, Angela, and that's kind of the point we can say, okay, well, shall we do something else then? Mm. So, so rather than pretending we're not on fire, shall we just maybe step out of it? And shall yeah. we maybe go over there to a safer place and then have a look around and see what we can do differently? Yeah. So I, I think that's really positive when people get to that point. Yeah, and it's the same with me. I think, you know, when, when I first started 20 years ago, um, being in the, the fitness industry, what I noticed very, very early on in my career was that the people that had a struggle were far more likely to commit to something than people that didn't. Mm. The people that just wanted to be fit, they didn't have a big enough why. Yeah. And for me, a struggle is the easiest why in the world. Mm. And I said to one of my clients, and this sounds terrible, and I, and I apologise if anybody does have diabetes, type type 2 but one of my clients I said if you had diabetes type 2 you would be here every single training session putting your absolute 100% effort in or 80% effort as I only let people go to but it's in it because the reason would be big enough mm. if they're health health challenge free they're just like oh i can i can give it a that's why people start medication it stopped yeah. they, they no longer feel quite so bad and therefore they sort of lose that impetus to take the thing and and it's such when you have a health challenge when you have something that has sideswiped you that's that's pulled the rug from under your carpet you know, like I said in the book, it's time to batten down the hatches. Pull the rug from your hands. Pull, like, sorry, what carpet? pull the carpet. I saw your, I saw visual, your face. Visual. I'm, I know, I'm I saw your face. I was like, I said that wrong. <laughs> I'll start again. Pull the carpet from under your feet. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and it really does give you a much better starting point because you've got a bigger reason to do it. And you've got the benefits of the struggle are it keeps you going. Mm. Because as soon as you stop, you go back into struggle. Yeah. So what's better focusing you know and, and that's absolutely fine it's okay to struggle and that and to, to reiterate what i said at the beginning it is not a failure mm. and and that's not trying to say that failures are bad failures are not bad either Failures are really helpful yeah failures are brilliant but struggling we need a different word for them yeah, we do a, a not failure word yeah, yeah. Just use that. Or a different culture that kind of just accepts that it's yeah. completely it's normal. That we're gonna, yeah, yeah. Exactly oh, do learning. That. We could call it learning. Learning, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But the only proof that you've got when you're going through a struggle is that you've survived the struggle. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you look back, and, and this is why I think siren lists are really good things to have, because when you look back at, you know, what you are accepting in your life, what you're not accepting in your life, you know, your list of yeses and nos, when you look back at that, you only have proof that you've been through this many times before mm. and you've actually come out the other end and it doesn't matter on the time scale how long it takes it matters that you're taking the step or just okay with being still and that's and i think that, that for, for me that's really important that everybody has a different time scale mm. everybody you can't say right okay this is going to take you three weeks to achieve this is going to take you 12 weeks to achieve you know depending on on what level of support you've got depending on what's in your environment depending on your emotional you know background depending on your your childhood in, in fact mm, mm. it depends on how 
the, the time scale time should be thrown you know thrown out of the bucket. well homogenization is throwing out the bucket as well that the idea that everybody has to be one version we'll say back to the neurodiversity one type of mm. brain one type of hormonal function one type of solution one type of training one type of therapy yeah we we just need to get better at, at celebrating difference yeah. not not giving it a judgment label but just going okay there's just lots of different versions of people and things yeah and that's that so what are your top tips for struggling I think it's renaming the language. For me, it is about seeing it not as something you're supposed to avoid and get out of, but seeing it as something that you can learn from. Yeah. Um, and it, it's it, anywhere where there's that sort of junction between how you want things to be and how they are, that friction is actually a source of something really, really, really useful if you can meet it with curiosity. Yeah. And Colette, what's your top tips? Um, I would say non-judgmental observation. So Clever. if you feel you're struggling then you probably are and that feeling is trying to tell you something and if we can not think about it as good and bad or right or wrong or we're less than we're not coping we're not in the role properly and just think that's interesting that's an interesting letter the postman's given me yes. let's have a read of it yeah and and then have an observation and just think well am i struggling because it can feel like we're struggling in everything when actually i know when my children were young 10 past four in the afternoon yeah when you're trying <laughs> to get tea ready that <laughs> that is a struggle but actually other parts of the day were fine so when you can step back and look at it and they thought actually well can i do something different with 10 past mm, four in the afternoon yeah and just just look at it that way but 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 make it observational and non-judgmental and for me i think it's get excited about the struggle you know as soon as i see something that's difficult i have reframed my perspective on that because you know i i live a life that is constantly challenging myself i like to be i like playing games we know i like yes we know <laughs> I like to do things that are really, really extraordinary. And and I just, I mean, uh, that's just me. But I've reframed my position on what a struggle means mm. to me. And I get really excited. Okay, it's not always, I'm not like, you know, the, the happiest person alive constantly. But I really look at a struggle as a positive rather than a negative. Because the outcome of that is really good. So if you're struggling, for me, change the perspective. Change the way you're looking at it. Stand from a different viewpoint and look at it as something different ladies as always it has been a pleasure did you write a book this weekend i did write a book this weekend. angela did you write a book this I weekend i certainly did and well, i think we can agree i was everyone's cup of sunshine <laughs> you were <laughs> yeah. ladies it's been an absolute pleasure as always and we will see you very very shortly for the next doctor the therapist and the coach podcast enjoy your time The Doctor, the Therapist and the Coach was presented by Gemma Taylor with Dr. Angela Wright and Colette Saffil. This was a Live Lounge podcast production from YO1 Radio. For more episodes of this and other podcasts, go to yo1radio.co.uk.